Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. It wouldn't be the holiday season if there wasn't candy, right? Celebrate the holiday season with the Holiday Crush. They've sprinkled candy with a holiday theme and fun-packed challenges every week for five whole weeks, finishing on January 4th. The more challenges you complete, the better your chances of unwrapping delicious rewards. So, are you ready to crush the holidays? Play the Holiday Crush now. Download it from the App Store, Google Play, or Windows Store for free. Terms and conditions apply. Ich wart seit Wochen auf diesen Tag und tanz vor Freude über den Asphalt. Als wär's ein Rhythmus, als gäb's ein Lied, das mich immer weiter durch die Straßen zieht. Komm dir entgegen. Hello and welcome to Gegenpressing, the German football podcast from the Football Grad Network. I'm your host, Bryce Dunn, and yes, we're back. Finally, it seems like football is going to return in Germany. The last game being the 11th of March when we see Borussia Mönchengladbach take on Cologne. That feels like a very, very long time ago. So I'm equally excited about the football, but also excited to have these two fellas joining me once again. And yes, that's right. Joining me, as always, Manu Vett. Manu, how have you been? Uh, in isolation, like everyone else, um, I had a few trips planned between Germany and Canada, and obviously, when this all hit, I was in Canada. So I've been here for well, since March 11th, which feels like an eternity, considering how often I usually travel. So, yeah, pretty good. Um, lost a lot of weight, Bryce. Basically, exercising all the time because there isn't much else to do, to be quite frank. Um, how are you? Yeah, not too bad, to be honest. Yeah, the isolation as well, at home, you know, all of the above. Um, nobody, I think, is uh, enjoying it, it so much. You know, we're, we're obviously missing our football, missing our socializing, but um, yeah, still staying active. And that's the main thing, keeping busy. And yeah, I think I think it's about time to, to bring a bit of football back into our lives. Eh? Um, joining Manu and I, as always, is Chris Williams. Chris, how have you been? Bryce, I've uh, been all right, thanks. Just staying at home. Got laid off by all three outlets that I write for, like pretty much every other freelancer. But um, yeah, football's coming back. There's plenty to look forward to. Uh, I'm healthy. My family are healthy. Couldn't ask for anything more, really, Bryce. Well, that's it. We've got to look at that as uh, the main thing, haven't we? And everyone's health, and we hope we're all doing very well out there. Um, but yes, um, it, the time has come where there's talk of football returning uh, in Germany. So it um, may not be happening in your local leagues, but it's definitely happening there. And obviously for us who who are so into the German football and podcasting all the time for many years, we are very excited to have it back in our lives. So where to begin, really? Um, Manu, so obviously it's been announced today the football will return. There was uh, rumours uh, of which day exactly that will happen. Um, can you shed some light on that? When are we going to be able to watch some Bundesliga again? Well, maybe as early as May 16th. Um, that is that is one date that has been floating around a bit. You know, we were all hoping that maybe you could come back May 9th, obviously, with um, Angela Merkel, or the German Chancellor, and um, the the heads of the various lenders—that's that is the German states. 
not giving their okay until today um that date that may 9th date which was the earliest date got pushed back a little bit um we got a little bit of a set of good news today the original proposal by angela merkel actually would have seen that the the bundesliga clubs would have all gone into a two-week quarantine now that was put off the taken off the table today in the discussions there was a couple um heads of states that were for keeping it but in the end of the day they decided not to because of of the the amount of testing done um, you know, the fact that they can actually contact trace the players and the family members, um, pretty much limits the, 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 the dangers of, you know, the virus spreading because of, you know, because of Bundesliga games. And so they decided to take that quarantine, um, the, the two week quarantine off the table, which means that yes, May 9th is too early to return, um, feasibly too early because that's in three days and that's just not going to be possible. But maybe the weekend after this, um, is an early date. I wouldn't be surprised to surprised if they say May 22, 22nd is a little bit more realistic. Um, because yes, players have been training, but they've been training in isolation. Um, so I think that is going to be the big question mark for, for clubs to decide. Are we going to just go back next weekend or are we going to be going back the weekend after? And I think that decision will be made, um, along, alongside, along of other decisions tomorrow on Thursday. Yeah, very exciting. I think we're all um, eagerly awaiting when that date will be announced. Um, Chris, um, just to go to you, I mean, you and I are based in England and, you know, it seems so far away from football returning and, and the idea of uh, training. Uh, when do you feel that uh, football in Germany will return? Uh, do you agree with Manu that, um, well, obviously this weekend, a little bit too soon, but do you reckon it's more likely to be on the weekend of the 22nd? I do think it's more likely to be on the weekend of the 22nd. Ninth, I think, was always a little bit fanciful. Um, and, and not because it was um, it was a pipe dream. I think Christian Seifer, the DFL um, CEO, was sort of pushed into that. I think if we remember before, it's going to be the end of April, before the, the league was said to come back, there was a couple of ministerial members, uh, Marcus Suda and Armin Laschet, who... They floated the dates of the ninth. I think that sort of backed the DFL CEO, Christian Seifert, you know, into a, a corner where he had to say he was excited that that could be the prospect. So ninth of May, I think, was always a little fanciful. Um, the following weekend, which would make it two weeks from now, um, around about the 15th, I think that is a good time to come back. Although I did read today that a couple of states are a little unsure. Um, state of Bremen being one. Um, also, Werder Bremen have been in training a week less than everybody else. So I think if it got pushed back, an extra week that would give them a little bit of um, a little bit of parity, a little bit of the similar sort of training schemes that the other clubs have had. And don't forget they're in a, a dire situation down the wrong end of the table. So if they were to be um, not given an extra week to train, I think that might have some ramifications for the rest of their season. But um, I, th- I think we're going to see a return very soon. Um, and yeah, I'm like Manu. I don't personally think it will be Friday the 15th. I think we should see the first game on Friday the 22nd and perhaps even the 29th, but that might even be just a little too late. I think we can all agree, though, that the the plan that the DFL have put forward um, and that the sports ministers have put forward is pretty much bulletproof at the moment. They've captured um, a lot of um, positive tests, I think 10 in total, which which is quite a lot, really. Um, But those players have been put into isolation immediately, and, and that's how... You know, the scientists and and, um, virologists say we're going to beat this, constantly testing um, and remove the people who are infected until they're not infected, test them and let them back in. So 
I think it's going to be good for the for the country, Germany. I think it's going to be good for the world of football. Um, as you mentioned a little bit earlier, Bryce, Germany's in a completely different situation um, than the United Kingdom when it comes to fatalities and when it comes to lockdown, when it comes to what shops, what non-essential businesses are open. So um, there will be some new listeners. Hello and welcome. But don't judge Germany on what's going on in the UK or what's going on in the US. Take it. Um, by what's going on in the country itself and everybody's pointing towards the return of a new normal which includes non-essential businesses and football is of course a non-essential business and that's why it's returning now when all the other non-essential businesses are it's not why it's you know it didn't come back when the schools opened it didn't come back when some of the other shops opened first it's waiting for that right moment to come back and i think the 22nd of may will be that right time yeah it's not even the first one to come back right chris i mean we have some examples around the world that, that it works in Taiwan, for example. Uh, I know this is not a major soccer league, but they, they've actually never really stopped because they were really early on when it came to testing and, and beating this thing. In Korea, the baseball came back this week under a similar hygiene protocol in the Bundesliga. And, um, they football is coming back on Friday. Again, a similar hygiene protocol than the Bundesliga. And I think Korea and Germany are very much in tune when it comes to the amount of testing done and, the, the way they have been able to contact trace and isolate um, and open up businesses at the same time. So I think that is that is something really important to keep in mind because we've been both in discussions online with particular people in the United States that and the United States is in a very, very bad situation right now. One third of all cases in the world are taking place in the United States. The fatality rate is the highest. More people have died of COVID-19 since the start of this pandemic than in the entire Vietnam War. Um, so that is that I understand why they see this more controversial maybe than a lot of other people. But even those tests that you mentioned, 1,746 tests, um, 10 came back positive. I spoke to a couple of Bundesliga officials about that. And, um, one was surprised that there were some positive ones, but the other one said, look, we always expected this. When you t do 1,700 tests, you have to kind of expect that some people will come back positive. And um, what I think then surprised them is that none of them showed the people that tested positive, they didn't even show symptoms. They were asymptomatic. So without the DFL tests, they wouldn't even been caught out, right? They, they would still be walking around in their walks of life, be with their families, et cetera, and carrying the virus, which I think is actually something else that's quite telling. Again, and it points out to what you said, testing was vital, isn't it? Well, this is it. It's, it's caused um, a little bit of a controversy, hasn't it, you know, with those uh, tests coming back positive um also uh, chris i think it'd be wrong not to touch on uh, solomon kalu and his video that uh was it seemed to be everywhere online uh, this week um obviously uh, what what exactly happened in this video for anyone that that wasn't um you know aware of this i don't know how that's possible but uh and so why is why has he got himself into so much hot water well, of course, he um, he decided to Facebook Live, I think it was, um, walking around the training ground in the, the testing facility. He was, he was showing into it. Um, he was also giving his thoughts on the matter. Obviously, a, a test for coronavirus is the same as any other test that you may go for. And Bryce, there's a lot of different reasons why people go and get tested um, for, for health reasons. And nobody should have that broadcast. Um, you know, it's a private medical confidential thing. Um, it was also seen breaking um, the social distancing rules. So I'm um, shaking hands and, and greeting people. And whilst this will go on, undoubtedly it will go on, Manuel Neuer was very clever in what he said. He said that footballers have got 
a moral obligation to to be at the forefront and, and to show the rest of the you know the population about how to get it right about how to socially distance about how to behave in public and you know Solomon Kalu ill-judged what he did and obviously he was suspended almost immediately I think it took 35 minutes between his Facebook live and and a, and a press release um it doesn't show the players in particular good light um and it's an insight into um into a medical facility that doesn't need to be seen by anybody else and everybody that's listening to this um at some point will go and get tested either you know antibody test or an actual test um it will be needed and i'm sure they wouldn't want their details broadcast you know across the world on social media so yeah it's very foolish what he did but you know football players are foolish sometimes you know they they're young lads it's a completely different world for Kalu, although he's a little bit older than the rest. But you know he's fallen foul of of social media regulations, and yeah, he's, he's been dealt with immediately. Um, I'm sure he'll learn from it and move on. I'm also sure that anybody else um, in the playing or the the staff department of any other club in Germany and probably the world have seen the wrong way to go about um, using social media over that particular instance. So obviously, um, Manu, we, we've talked um, a little bit, you know, about the players um, here, you know, with the tests uh, and Solomon Kalu as well. But um, let's talk a little bit about the fans. We're obviously going to talk about uh, what they're going to do when the matches come back into place, um, especially Bruce and Gladbach. I'm looking forward to that conversation. But in the meantime, I mean, I mean, how have fans received it the last? few weeks went in talk of their teams getting back in training and back out onto the fields. Um, has there been you know, any pushback from the fans? That's a very interesting question. And I, I think it really depends on who you ask, doesn't it? Um, I think there's been various polls been published. Um, two that come to mind is the, the one by DW that has showed that the majority of people in Germany were against it. And there was one published by the DFL uh, that said the ex- exact opposite. Um, we did a poll on Transfermarkt where 66.1% of the people said we wanted to come back. Now, keep in mind, um, Transfermarkt users are football fans, right? Um, various In various levels of um, engagement, um, we have 2 million users on Transfermarkt and um, they have all sorts of thoughts and beliefs and understandings. And some of them just come to read the news. Some of them are engaged. Some of them are ultras. So you get a pretty broad spectrum, I think, um, cross broad spectrum among fans. And I think, um, that the, the majority of football fans want the games to come back. I think that the majority of really highly engaged football fans, the so-called ultras are probably a lot more, have a lot more controversial opinions about this. And that's fine. I think that's, that's absolutely 100% fine because it is a democratic society and debate is important uh, on both spectrums, right? Um, I think that they see football without fans as worthless. And I, I think they're not wrong about this. I think that um, a big part of the Bundesliga football as it meant to be is the fan aspect, is the fact that it is the most, as the highest attended league in the world, including the NFL. There is no other league that pulls per, per, per season more people into the stands than the Bundesliga. The, the 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 fan aspect of it is a huge selling point across the world. You know, the Bundesliga makes uh puts the yellow wall in Dortmund everywhere when it comes to their promotional content. It's very important for them. But on the other hand, it's also you have to keep in mind it's only about fourteen percent of the league's revenue, the fans going to games. And in the light of that, and I think Christian Seifert 
made a very interesting point to that. Um, and this was weeks ago. I think this was in March when he, when he said, um, how are they going to basically ensure that this league survives? They will have to make a lot of controversial decisions. And these controversial decisions will have to include games behind closed doors. And, um, I, and that's, it is a controversial decision in any aspect of it because of how the fans are going to react to it. And we've seen fan reactions in various stadiums. I think there was a banner put up in München in Munich in the Semener Straße, um, protesting against behind the closed door games. Um, the, these ultra groups in Frankfurt, etc., that have also said that they are against, um, games behind closed doors. Ultra groups are also, you know, they feel like that footballers shouldn't be privileged, um, in, in a very difficult situation like this. So I, I think that you find a broad spectrum of, of critique. And again, I'm actually think that's a positive thing because, um, in all fairness, they're not quite wrong. Um, the Bundesliga should have never been in the situation where a cancellation could almost have led to bankruptcy of various clubs, right? Um, no, the football around the world shouldn't have been in the situation. And keep in mind that the Bundesliga is the healthiest of all the European top flights. They're the only league that could probably survive a shutdown where clubs had to put money aside. Borussia Dortmund and Bayern Munich are cash rich out of their own merit. That's not the case in England, France, Spain, or Italy, where the teams are all highly indebted, right? Yet they still struggle. So I think the ultras are quite right in voicing the criticism towards the model of football. And I think this is a debate that we probably will have to have down the road is how are we going to get football healthy again and being able to, to survive in, in, in this kind of, kind of setup. So yeah, there is a lot of controversy and I think there is debate on both sides of the spectrum. I mean, I'm very much for bringing games back because the reality is we're going to live with COVID-19 for probably the rest of our lives. This It's a new reality. Even a vaccination, you know, there's various reports suggesting that it's not going to come in until 2026, maybe even 2036. COVID-19 is here to stay and the new safe is going to be a, a different safe than it was before. But there will be people that are disagreeing with that and have a different opinion. And I'm okay with that. And I think that's exactly what you're seeing with um, the football debate among ultras as well. Manu, just uh, before we move on, um, a quick question. We're, we're talking about people pushing back on the idea of football returning. Have there been any any players that have been outspoken against it? Yeah, there has been. They mean the, the Köln interview, right, with Verstritte, the, the Belgian midfielder. Who has, um, was said that it is a little scary. His wife has, uh, preconditions which make COVID-19 much more dangerous than, you know, for people who are young and healthy. Um, and he voiced, I wouldn't say criticism is the right word, but, um, I would say he voiced some concerns. Now, then the interview, of course, there was, Köln quickly said that he was mis, um, like misspoken. Um, the interview was wrongly translated, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. I, I am sure that there's players that are concerned. Um, I think that in various walks of life, there's people that are concerned, and then there will be players that will just want to get on with their jobs. Um, you have to keep in mind that this is just a reflection of normal society in many ways. And uh, a lot of people around the world are facing the prospect of unemployment. I've spoken to agents as my, as a, as, a, as a, you know, working for Transfermarkt, we do quite a bit and they're seeing a massive downturn in, 
in in the transfer market and the fact that players that are going out of contract might not get a new contract because there is that the market is going to collapse so some players just want to get back with their jobs and get back with their lives just like in everything else and then there will be people that will be concerned about getting back to it i think it is that is something that you will see you will see probably a pretty good reflections inside the dressing room of what's going on in reality well, this is it. Most people are going to be excited um, going forward that Bundesliga is returning. Uh, everyone wants a bit of sport or a bit of football back in their lives to lighten the mood. Eh? So, uh, Chris, we're going to go to you and just talk about what exactly are the prerequisites that, that are having for a game to take place. Um, I would imagine that you know the DFL are ensuring that you know everyone's going to be safe when everyone gets together like this um so so what exactly um are the procedures yeah of course there's a, there's a comprehensive plan for this it's not going to be um a return to football as we knew it I, I don't think anybody will be expecting that um there's certainly you know going to be no fans in the stadium for for a while so that's the the whole point of games behind closed doors the ghost games and Manu's already listed the objections to those from some quarters um, and now it's about managing the player safety, staff safety, and and running the the game with as minimal people as possible. So you're not going to see um, stands full of, of press. You may have noticed that in the Premier League's project restart, I think there is somewhere in the region of 26 to 28 written press. That certainly won't happen um, in Germany. There's a, a lot fewer numbers. Um, than that, that also German clubs are to play in their own stadium. Um, there's going to be no um, tournament style, which is what some of the leagues are looking at. Although it was one of the first to mute that, um, or one of the first to propose that um, angle, it's now moved on from it. And there are going to be strict testing regimes. I think we've already talked about the testing twice a week. Um, players will um, arrive in masks. It's pretty much going to replicate society. Players will obviously not play in masks, but they you will see them cutting around. The training ground in masks, pretty much like you will see people go into Aldi in their mask or, you know, getting uh, on the barn in their mask or just going around their normal job and, and getting back to what is this preconceived new normal. So it will look a little bit odd, um, but players, when they're clear to play, will have been tested and they will be negative. So they are in a safe environment um, for that particular moment when they play. Obviously, they'll be tested again at that, and they can pick it up anywhere. They can pick it up in a supermarket. They can pick it up on their way into work. Um, you know, not saying that football's safer than anywhere else. It's not. It's exactly the same. Um, so there are strict medical and strict social distancing rules that will have to be adhered to, and and these are the that we've already seen players do. So they've started to train in small groups. That's now ramping up. And which is why more testing is coming in. If you can test everybody and they're negative, then they can train together in bigger groups and obviously they can play. Um, but the days of, of packed stadiums and being full of press and people outside, and uh, those are gone for the time being. This will be a skeleton crew. Um, I think it's no more, Manu will certainly correct me while I'm just flicking through, be certainly no more than um, 200 people per match day, which includes all the live television, all the club media, which would be um, smaller. It's just it's going to be essential staff only for, for the playing of football and for the broadcasting of football. Um, we are not going to see a return to something we knew um, for a long time. I've, I've been saying this a while now that for the next couple of years, maybe we'll look at sport as in you know, pre-2020 and after 2020. 
ich will nochmal wiederholen, was da dort regelmäßig getestet wird, ist ähm, natürlich eine andere Situation, als wenn jemand nur einmal am Beginn einer Quarantäne und einmal ähm, am Ende einer Quarantäne äh, getestet wird. Das ist, glaube ich, der Hintergrund, warum ja. hier eine, ähm, diese 14 Tage nicht so explizit aufgeführt sind. Yeah, it, it certainly seems like testing is the way forward, Manu. Uh, something that Germany have been uh, you're doing more than anyone else. I mean, uh, you, you've been uh, talking to us uh, plenty about it uh, within our group uh, you know, the last few weeks or months. Um, it, it, it does seem uh, pretty positive and working very well in Germany. And I'd imagine that DFL will be insisting that tests are done quite regularly as the season continues. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, testing, 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 testing um, is, is very important, right? Um, they said they need about 20,000 tests to finish the season. And that was one of the, the mute points. That was one of the, the controversial topics. I, I believe maybe a week or two weeks ago when when for this, this idea of the, bringing the league back was first muted. Um, I think it was one of the many things that was debated controversial controversially the amount of tests needed and these tests include all the players and all the family members if they want to until the end of the season so that's for for match days 26 to 34 plus the one match that that's still missing right um so that was something that was really really controversially discussed and i found that um again a lot of north american media and i, I spent a lot of time talking to north american media um didn't thought that number was the 20,000 was quite high but keep in mind that in Germany they can now test uh, I have the exact number here 818,565 people per week and that's from Monday to Friday that doesn't include the weekends that's a lot of tests availability and in the end of April they only used about 390,000 tests a week because demand is falling um, not as many people are getting sick I remember a lot of people in Germany are getting tested if they have the symptoms. Symptoms can be same as influenza, same as bronchitis, etc., etc., etc. I know a lot of friends and family back in Germany that got tested. In my close circle of friends and family, we have not a single positive test, um, even though those people did get tested, right? So the demand is falling because less people are getting sick. That's good news. And I think with this in mind, the 20,000 tests are all of a sudden very, very few. Um, when you keep in mind that they can test 800,000, 818,000 a week and they only need 20,000 to finish the season. It makes it, it makes it in, you know, when you, when you put it in, in balance, it's very few. And I think when, when you put it in that perspective, it's actually also ensures that not only players, but also the family members are actually safe during this entire process. So, you know, that's, that was one controversy and that was quickly dealt with. And I think that is the way forward when it comes to the society period that we just have to test, 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 test in order to ensure contract tracing and make sure that going forward, as Chris said, that this, this is a new reality. And, um, as we are slowly opening up the world again, as long as we don't have a vaccination, the fact is that the only way to ensure safety for people is that when we have outbreaks, we can contain them, right? And the way to do that is to ensure that we know that, okay, this person got sick. These were the contacts that he had, put them in quarantine, boom, done, right? And one way to do that is, again, testing. I'm repeating myself, but that is, that is a key component of it. It wouldn't be the holiday season if there wasn't candy. 
right? Celebrate the holiday season with the Holiday Crush. They've sprinkled candy with a holiday theme and fun-packed challenges every week for five whole weeks, finishing on January 4th. The more challenges you complete, the better your chances of unwrapping delicious rewards. So, are you ready to crush the holidays? Play the Holiday Crush now. Download it from the App Store, Google Play, or Windows Store for free. Terms and conditions apply. Yeah, I think uh, Chris made a very good point earlier in the podcast as well, saying that, uh, y- you know, it's it's very easy for maybe people uh, to be sitting in other countries, you know, uh, where the situation is much worse and they, they've dealt with it uh, in a completely different way. You would say that your know, football shouldn't return. Where what are they playing at? But uh, you know, Chris, um, this is it, isn't it? It's 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 a very different scenario in Germany to the likes of the United States or or here in the UK. Yeah, it is a man who's just explained the number of testing. You know, that's some way ahead of what we can do in the UK at the moment. That they're saying the government that they want to do a hundred thousand tests a week. Um, they're, sorry, 100,000 tests a day. They're somewhere in the region of between 75 and 80 um, in, in reality. Um, so they need to what the, the, the capacity or the testing capacity to reach demand. Um, you know, the Premier League has, has taken a bit of stick for per, maybe taking tests up. Manu said 20,000. It'll be pretty much the same for, for Premier League sides when they come back. You know, taking that away from the public. Um, I think people also need to remember that you, I and Manu can go out and buy 20,000 tests if we want to. You can publicly procure them. Um, it's the government's responsibility to make sure key workers in the United Kingdom um, are tested. Um, what does football um, not buy the tests that are available to it? Those tests are available to the government. The government's chosen not to buy, or when it did, it bought the wrong type of test. So uh, like the likes going on in the Bundesliga, um, or maybe a little better in the Bundesliga, is there is spare capacity. I mean, Manu showed you those. If they can do 818,000 tests per week, but they're only getting nearly 400,000, you know, that's a deficit of 400,000 tests that are available a week. And the Bundesliga wants 20,000 of them to complete the season, but doesn't actually want 20,000 of them. It's going to procure its own. So um, it is completely different. It's a little bit different in the UK because the, the fatality rate's so high. Um, you know, lack of PPE to frontline services, lack of tests to frontline services. Um, and people will look at football coming back unnecessarily, but football's coming back in, in the middle of May. Um, it will come back later in, in England, probably in June. And who knows what um, the UK will look like in June. Hopefully it'll be a similar situation to Germany where, you know, the reproduction rate's very low and, and non-essential businesses are, are back to normal and we're all trying to carry on as best we can. But it is unfair to, um, if you're from the if you're from the states or you're from England, to take those problems of that country and place it on Germany and say it's not right for football to return because it should be treated in, as an individual concept, which is said earlier. Um, and there may be some mistakes. We will soon know if it's too early for football to come back, but we won't know if we don't try. Um, and the way for it to be tried is for it to be as robust as possible. And the DFL's plan looks that. I think that's a really important point, Chris. Um, sorry to intersect that, Bryce, but I think that is a key point. We will have to try. And if it doesn't work, they will stop. I, I, I think that is the most essential point made maybe in this podcast because we don't know if it works or not unless we're trying. And I think that a lot of industries are currently facing this dilemma. 
and saying, okay, well, the only way for us to know whether we come back in any capacity or not, um, bring back normalcy is, is to try. And that's exactly what they're doing. And I think that is, that is their right to do, to say, well, we have to give this a try. And if it works, great. And if it doesn't, well, then we have to stop and then maybe we have to cancel the season. Um, but they have to try. They have to give this a shot. Well, guys, we've talked about uh, what's going to be in place, um, you know, for the games to happen. And as Chris said, you know, there's going to be a limited amount of people getting in and around the ground. So that means that the games will be behind closed doors. Um, We've seen this happen on the odd occasion, haven't we, when maybe a side's being penalised for it and, you know, their fans aren't allowed to attend. It is a little bit odd. It's a little bit different. It's not what we're used to. And the fans can be that 12th player, you know, for certain sides. Um, so let's talk a little bit of what it's going to look like uh, and who may benefit from it. Uh, the Bundesliga obviously wrapped up after match day 25. Well, actually 21, but uh, that was just uh, Gladbach and Cologne replaying their game. But 25 it was. So there's uh, still nine games to go. Uh, let's go to you, Chris. I mean, uh, when we talk about games being played behind closed doors, so who's going to benefit from this? Is there anyone can benefit from it? It's a good question. Who's going to benefit from it? Well, anybody who's played at home um, in a key fixture and has won prior um, prior to the suspension will think they've benefited. Anybody who's been away from home and got a really good result uh, at a tough stadium um, will will think they've benefited. I mean, one of the last matches that I went to was um, Dortmund against Gladbach and there was you know, a ferocious atmosphere in that stadium and it helped both teams at one point. Um, prior to that, I was at uh, um, Leverkusen against Dortmund at Leverkusen. And I know Leverkusen can get a lot of sticks sometimes, but the atmosphere that night was raucous and it powered um, Leverkusen onto a very, very good victory against Dortmund. So I don't think anybody um, can take away exactly what fans bring to stadiums. So who's going to benefit? Well, if you look at the games that we're expecting to go back into, um, I mean, the first one that sticks out is Dortmund versus Schalke. Um, for that particular weekend. So who's going to benefit from behind closed doors? You, you would say neither team really, because Dortmund have got such a fantastic atmosphere, the Westfalenstadion, Signal Iduna Park, that they may miss out on that. But then Schalke will also say their visiting fans that come over from the Veltins will be up for it. Um, and I've been to one of the Revere derbies and the atmosphere is incredible, both outside the stadium and inside the stadium. So I think we'll only start to get a feel for who is benefiting when we see them. I would think for this particular match, set of fixtures on the match day, it's going to be the teams at home. But then you look at some of the teams that are playing at home and you've got the likes of Werder Bremen against Bayer Leverkusen. That's a tough game for Werder because of where they are in the league and also where um, Leverkusen are and what they're playing for and, and you know the possibility of Champions League football again next season. So that will be a, a key game to watch to see how atmospheres do or don't 
affect a game because at the Weserstadion, um, I've been a couple of times this season as well. And, and that is a really good place to watch football and the crowd behind the goal get very into it, as do the guys on the side and the girls on the side. Um, it'll be interesting to see what Werder Bremen lose from that. And then, of course, you're going to have a look at what I think, I'm going to stick my neck on the line here and say what will probably be the Friday night game if we come back on that Friday, the 22nd, I think it is, will be Dusseldorf against Paderborn. Um, and that's another stadium that can have a good atmosphere, although it's not completely full in the Mekospiel Arena. Um, it does add a little bit of, of, of uh, a little bit of impetus for Dusseldorf to play. And of course, Paderborn uh, are a very small club, but they have really good, um, really good bought into the club fans, and and they would have had a good travelling with them, a good travelling unit with them as well. It's not that far away, you know. They're pretty much in the same area, so I think we will get to see very quickly who's benefiting. I think if we want a true one, and sorry to maybe steal Manu sandwiches on this, but you're going to see um, Union Berlin play Bayern Munich. Now, I think anybody that goes um, to the stadium in the forest, uh, Union Berlin, is on to a bit of an uphill tackle, a, a bit of an uphill um, task because of the atmosphere that is inside that stadium. And I think Bayern will be able to outplay Union um, without a crowd, pretty much like a training match. So it's going to be interesting to see how that game goes. I think for me, on the return of this weekend, when it does happen, if you want to know how atmospheres affect football, I, I would pick out Union Berlin against Bayern Munich and, and see what the final result is on that game. We maybe need to add, uh, Chris, that we don't actually know yet what, what the schedule is like, right? Um because that's one proposal to start with match day 26, but they could also just mix it up. Um, and then there's the another proposal to start with match day 34 and play it backwards. So, um, but yeah, I, I'm 100% agree with you. I think that the atmospheres are going to be very interesting, very interesting aspect of, of the games. And it's something that teams are going to have to get used to um, because we're not just on about the remainder of this season, we're on about the start of next season. I can't see any possibility of fans being allowed in any game um, in in the top five leagues in Europe. Um, it's not like we're going to get to August and there's this magic reset where everything's going to be okay again. I, I'm of the opinion that you will not see fans, in, you will not see a full stadium in Germany until sometime next year, maybe even March. Um, so it's going to be a, an interesting insight into how football is going to carry on for the next 12 to 18 months. Um, Manu, just picking up on what you said there um, about the possibility of starting on match day 34 and working their way back. Well, why would they do that? Why, why is that being suggested? I think there's some worry that starting with match day 26 and the World Derby that fans could travel and congregate outside the stadiums. So starting with a match day that has not a big derby. Um, for some makes makes more sense as they can then get a better sense of how to control people. You know, there's always some people who think this is just fun and games and they can go to the stadiums anyways. Uh, I mean, I think this will give them a better understanding of the situation. Whereas if they start with like a high profile game like the Royal Derby, um, which is one of the biggest high profile games in Europe, maybe even the world, right? Um, is maybe a bit too risky of a proposition, so that that's why. And then there's maybe thoughts of maybe just rearranging the entire schedule, find ways to make it fairer. 
Um, that's all decided tomorrow. So there's nothing final on that. But yeah, there is, there is some ideas and thoughts of how to, to change, uh, things around a little bit, you know, for both for fairness, but also to just control fan groups. And Manu, just, um, you hear about different leagues suggesting about playing a neutral ground so that fans can't, you know, turn up on their thousands outside, you know, the, the stadium. Was that ever an idea? Yeah, it definitely was an idea. And it might still be an idea, Bryce. Um, again, wait till tomorrow. We'll find out a lot of details tomorrow. But yeah, one of the original ideas was to uh, play it as a kind of like European championship format, um, you know, in just three or four stadiums around Germany, have the teams there come together and play it quickly. I think because we are a lot further down the road when it comes to COVID-19, we understand the virus better now. We understand that, for example, outside it is much harder to get the virus than we previously thought. Um, the understanding of testing capacities, etc., have improved significantly. And this is something maybe to keep in mind, period. We're, every week that we're basically winning with this virus is another week of understanding, right? And uh, gives us better insight of how to live with it. Um, that's why I'm also thinking, you know, vaccination is maybe a pipe dream to solve this problem, but, you know, science will sort us out and give us a solution to live with this even if we don't have a vaccination, much like it is the case with other diseases like influenza, HIV, et cetera, et cetera. So I think for them, it's like, it really, they're really going to kind of trial and error a few ideas um, tomorrow and then come up with something that will be the best compromise for every club involved. And this is maybe one other thing, aspect to keep in mind. It's always going to be a compromise because some clubs I think will benefit from playing behind closed doors more than others. Uh, Chris already brought up Borussia Dortmund. I think this is a team that benefits enormously from playing at the Signal Iduna Park. I spoke to Tyler Adams in an exclusive interview at Transfermarkt, and he said, like, yeah, at the Bundesliga, sometimes the, the, the weaker team wins because of the home stadium. And this is something that he's never experienced anywhere else. And he thinks that maybe for a team that's more methodical, like Bayern or RB Leipzig, just going to a stadium, getting the job done, it will actually be easier for them. So I think there's going to be a lot of compromises, a lot of talking, a lot of pitching ideas taking place tomorrow. And it's going to be fascinating to see what they're actually going to come up with. Yeah, absolutely. It's, uh, I mean, we'll all be uh, eagerly awaiting the announcements, won't we? Uh, Chris, um, I suppose uh, another question that may not be answered till tomorrow is, what about timeline? Does the league have to be wrapped up at any stage? Um, I mean, the, the question I'm putting to you solely for Werner Bremen and Eintracht Frankfurt because you know, they have a game more to play than everyone else. So, you know, did, did, is that going to put pressure on them? I don't think it'll put pressure on them as such. Um, it'll just be a situation where they'll have to play a midweek game at some point, um, a, little mid, a little bit like um, Gladbach played Cologne after the um, postponement due to the high winds of their match. Um, the day I had to get a train to Hamburg and I remember how windy it was. So, you know, a game of football couldn't have gone on that day and, and that was played out a couple of weeks later. So I think from when I last spoke to um, people at Werder Bremen, um, which was um, just before the suspension of play, they anticipated that that game would be um, fitted in during the next three weeks of football. However, three weeks of football was never played. So we'll we'll get to see um, if that changes at some point. Um, I can't see it any other way. Than, than have to fit it in um, a midweek. Um, at the moment, 
the um, cup competition isn't being played, so that you know there is space in that midweek fixture. Um, we'll await to see what happens regarding that. Um, and and the only time constraint really is has been put on by by UEFA, who want all the top leagues finish by the first of August, so they can then play out the Champions League. Which is that even going to happen? Um, you know, I don't wish to drag the pod on any longer than you know we've already done, but. The French leagues have cancelled, so PSG and Olympique Lyon um, have got a couple of games in the Champions League they need to play. There's potential for Borussia Dortmund to be reinstigated to that competition should um, PSG have to pull out. Are we even going to see those games played? Are teams going to travel internationally or at least you know within the continent? We're looking at how much planning... Um, Germany's had to do to get this back on. How much planning the Premier League's doing? We've we've seen the problems in France and Holland and now Belgium as well. Um, have, have categorically stated that their season is definitely over, even though we're looking at maybe bringing it back. So, how are UEFA going to put on a tournament? Where are they going to put it on? How are they going to host the teams? So this artificial timeline, I think, is being dictated to by by UEFA for that because they're not the only people. Um, sorry, not the only people who aren't losing out. It's not just the leagues. It's UEFA themselves with all their deals, the Champions League, Europa League, all the corporate sponsorships. Don't rule out how much international football brings in you know, for the Confederation as well. And they want to see a return to all of that at some point. And that's sort of driving this. I think if the UEFA deadline hadn't have been driving this, we could have we could have seen a delay until maybe a restart in September, maybe a restart in August. Um, but it's an artificial timeline that's been um, been pressured by UEFA, and and that's caused some leagues to cancel already. I think, as we've seen, you know, as I just said, in France and Holland and Germany. Uh, I'm sorry, not Germany, in Belgium. Just before we go, uh, Manu, there's been uh, some positive stances taken uh, from the fans of Borussia Mönchengladbach and your club, 1860. If you want to just fill everyone in on those. Yeah, uh, Gladbach have sold, I don't even know, I think it was around um, 10,000 of those cut-out faces um, for 1990 euros. You can buy yourself a cut-out and it will be displayed uh, inside the Borussia Park um, during games to you know make the stands look, look a little bit better during these ghost games. I mean, we, we've talked ghost games pretty. We all don't really much like them, even though they're going to be the new reality. So that's going to bring some color to the games um and then uh, 1860 have sold 15,000 tickets uh for the reminder of the season um you know basically people just trying to fill up this called fill up the 1860 stadium uh, is the initiative uh, third division teams in particular are struggling right they're very much dependent on the on um match day on match day incomes so for them, that's for 1860, that's really good news. And the match day, the ticket, season ticket holders have decided not to give back the tickets. So that's money that basically is going to stay with the club. I think you will see a lot of very interesting initiatives in, in the coming weeks, um, of clubs trying to give, bring some color to, to these ghost games. I mean, we had some really neat ideas. Uh, those who listen to it from, to the football ground podcast, where we've been chatting a lot about the Belarusian league. Um, one of the teams, Dinamo Brest, sold cutouts of fans that they put them in the stadium, and then those fans were able were given like a match day program. They were given special access to the homepage, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So I think there's going to be a lot of interesting initiatives coming out. Like again, people dealing with a new alternative, uh, um, alternative reality, right? I mean, 
Uh, football is going to be no different than restaurants switching to takeout and um, trying to serve people that way and trying to stay afloat. I think Bundesliga teams will, will come up with some very interesting initiatives. Bayern Munich, for example, sold face masks with Bayern Munich logos. Um, the, the team here in Vancouver did something very similar. They sold face masks to save the local aquarium, which is, I think is an initiative that are quite great. And Bayern Munich are doing something similar as well. So I think there's going to be a lot of fun stuff coming out of this. Um, which is going to maybe bring some color which into a time that has for a lot of people been very bleak. Yeah, absolutely. Interesting times lie ahead. And we're all going to be eager to have the football back, aren't we? I, uh, definitely speaking for Austria, and I'm sure many, many more people out there. It's uh, It's been great to be back, and I'm sure we'll uh, fire another podcast uh, or two your way before the season gets up and running once again. Um, but yeah, thanks for listening. And if you need any updates, I'm sure you can just head over to likes of Twitter and find either the three of us or go to at Football Grad Live and you'll be able to get plenty of information um, in the next few days. Um, but yeah, thanks for tuning in. And until then, I'll be there then. Ich war seit Wochen auf diesen Tag und tanz vor Freude über den Asphalt. Als wär's ein Rhythmus, als gäb's ein Lied, das mich immer weiter durch die Straßen zieht. Komm dir entgegen. Ich hab zu holen. We can get anything delivered from furniture to toilet paper. And now, adult beverages with Drizzly. Drizzly lets you compare prices from local liquor stores on a huge selection of beer, wine, and spirits, then get them delivered right to your door in under 60 minutes. And right now, Drizzly's giving all new customers $5 off their first order. Just enter promo code EASY5 at checkout. Download the Drizzly app or go to drizzly.com. That's D-R-I-Z-L-Y dot com. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.